Hi, it's Emily. And Dee Dee. We're here from Purple Phoenix, Utah. As women facing divorce, you are not alone. We are two women who have survived it all. We're going to provide stories and encouragement about overcoming divorce. And we're also going to tackle dating and being single again while evolving into a strong and independent woman. Follow along as we dig deep and laugh as we grow together. Hi, today we are joined by Brooke Muir, who is the executive director of FADV.org. And Brooke, we're so happy to have you here today. Why don't you explain to us what is FADV and what your mission is? Thank you for having me. Um, FADV is short for Fight Against Domestic Violence. Uh, We began in 2017 here in Utah, and our mission is to raise awareness and resources for domestic violence uh, victims, survivors, and service providers here across the state of Utah. Oh, that's so amazing. And October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So we're so excited to have Brooke here to talk to us a little bit more about that. Uh, Brooke, why don't you talk to us a little bit more about what are the different types of abuse? You bet. So a lot of the time uh, when we think about domestic violence, we uh, initially think of the physical abuse, which um, leaves can leave, you know, the lasting marks that everyone sees. But in addition to that, there is uh, emotional abuse, uh, sexual abuse, financial abuse, coercion and threats. And just to give you an idea of what each of those um, looks like. So, you know, emotional abuse, just the typical shouting, blaming them for their own abuse, um, control who they can see and talk to publicly, maybe humiliate your partner, um, throw and break things in the house and um, limit your contact with your family and friends. So that's what we're really looking at when we're talking about emotional abuse and intimidation. Coercion and threats. Um, Threats like, and this is a big one, um, they're going to take your children away. If you leave or you wanna do anything about it, you're gonna lose access to your children. Threats of suicide. I think oftentimes we don't realize that threats of suicide are a means of control. Because ultimately, all domestic violence is about is control and how the partner can keep control of something that they feel like they have power of. Um, They can uh, threaten to abuse pets as well and um, use a lot of guilt and mind games uh, for control. And then sexual abuse is also a really hard one to talk talk about and that it does happen in many, many uh, relationships, whether it's marriage or just a close partnership. Um, They could demands of sex in the middle of the night, um, particular sex acts, wake them up for sex, bully them with accusations of cheating. That's a big one. Um, And using sex as a tool for coercion and guilt. And that's a particularly hard one, I think, for people to feel comfortable about talking about. And then, of course, economic abuse. Survivors, when asked, 99% say that they experienced some sort of financial or economic abuse. Um, That looks like uh, limiting access to money. Perhaps they put you on um, your own little allowance and um, preventing them from getting or keeping a job. There was a story of a woman that was staying at the YWCA in Utah and uh, her partner would hide her keys every day before she went for work in an effort to make her late 
And then repeatedly, if you're late to work every day, what happens? You lose your job, you lose access to that income. It's just another method of control. Not only mind games, but now you're gonna limit their access to financial independence. Um, you make your partner ask for money, and it really is one of the, if not the key barrier that keeps um, victims from leaving an unhealthy relationship because when faced with um, staying in maybe an unhealthy relationship or homelessness, I mean, you're going to choose that unhealthy relationship. And 80% um, of women who experience homelessness with children have also experienced domestic violence. So the intersection between that is strong and clear. So that statistic that Brooke was just speaking of about women facing homelessness who have also experienced domestic violence with children, um, as Purple Phoenix, what we do, uh, also help and support women going through divorce. Uh, when you're experiencing domestic violence, the thought of also facing a divorce on top of it becomes extremely scary and can put women into a double crisis mode on top of domestic violence and the thought of being homeless with your children is a whole nother topic and could be a whole nother podcast. I want to address a quote that FADV had on their Instagram page that I found quite profound. Um, it says, people expect all stories of abuse to be loud and angry, but they're not. Sometimes they are quiet and cruel and swept under the rug. I really want to address this quote because it was one of those like aha moments for me. Um, I think because a lot of us live in cultures, especially in Utah, um, where it's just really shamed to talk about it. We're grown up to not express ourselves adequately. We don't talk about domestic violence. We're not educated properly about it. And one in three women in Utah will experience domestic violence. Is that correct, Brooke? Is that the right stat? It is. One in three in Utah, and we are slightly higher than the national average, which is closer to one in four. So, and that's um, also includes emotional and psychological abuse in our communities. And it's uh, when you're experiencing emotional or psychological abuse, it you you have the image to other people surrounding you that you have a perfect life or that you have a great life and that everything's okay. And uh, even close friends and family members, even once you maybe express signs to them or express feelings of concern to them, they don't want to talk about it because it's uncomfortable and they want to brush it under the rug, which brings me back to that quote. So it makes it very scary as a domestic violence victim or a survivor to uh, have feelings of shame and to face isolation. Um, yeah, we, you know, we often talk about our five steps on how to support a friend if someone does disclose that to you. And the first is just to listen. The second is to validate what it is that they've said to you. So, you know, saying something as simple as I am so sorry that you are experiencing that. And then ask how you can support them instead of trying to tell them how to react or respond or what they need to do. And then educate yourself on what resources are available so that you can be there to support them when they need it and if they choose to leave. 
And then, of course, our last thing that we always say is, you know, if they need to help them make a safety plan, because leaving is the most dangerous time for people in unhealthy relationships. I want to talk a little bit about um, why it's so scary for a survivor to come forward. There, Why there are so many who can't break the cycle. They, they continue to... Um, they go through the honeymoon phase and then they then it, it cycles through and so many people don't understand why a woman would go back and why a woman would stay why she's not ready or willing to walk away from that can we talk a little bit about that yes I mean we all in this room know that that's kind of the main victim blaming question is why doesn't she just leave and I think it's not meant a, a, a vicious question it, I think it's a question of ignorance and I think this what we're doing here is helpful to help people understand what that scenario is so if you let's we're going to talk about women because 85% of victims are women even though it does happen to, to men as well but if you're in a situation where you share custody with you have children with them perhaps you no longer have an income um, you've experienced psychological and emotional abuse where you simply don't feel worthy or that you have brought this on to yourself, you start to believe your partner. Um, it can be incredibly difficult. The idea of leaving a partner and that you, when you leave, that you have these children that if you stay, at least you have 24 hour you're around your children all the time. You are living in the same roof with them. The idea of you leave and you could possibly have to share custody with your children. And now that you're doing that, your partner has access to your children without you around. And if you want to leave and you have no income, where does that leave you? What are you going to do? How are you going to feed your kids? How are you going to house them? If you don't have family support, um, that is incredibly isolating. So, um, you know, I think a bigger question is how, how do they, how can we help them leave when they are ready and they, and they can. And I'm obviously a survivor of domestic violence. We've talked a little bit about that before, but I'm also a single parent and I have been asked by longtime family and friends, um, why it took me so long. I was married for 21 years. And so this is totally relevant. I've been homeless with my kids twice. And it's one of the most frightening and frustrating scenarios. Um, and so this conversation being had and, and tapping into some of those resources, um, the first few times that I did call and report, I actually didn't get a victim's advocate that told me about resources. I got a victim's advocate that was empathetic and listened to me and she told me to file a protective order, but I really didn't know what other resources were available. And unfortunately, it took me two more years of fighting through the abusive situation before I started to find out what the true resources were. So, um, you know, we want to be a voice to, to point some of those things out that we encourage other people to do a little bit of research and find out what is available. And it's going to be a little bit surprising and disappointing to see that in a state with as many resources as we have, how little funding and how few resources are truly available for these women that are in true crisis. So, um, there's there's a lot of facets to that but um Brooke why don't you talk a little bit about the housing okay so um our mission is as, as we talked about raising resources is to fill in the gaps that the service providers are facing um in one day our Utah service providers <clears throat> served 1113 victims 
and that was September of 2019. Um, 684 adult and child victims found refuge in emergency shelters, but um, 173 requests went unmet, and they couldn't fill those requests because they simply didn't have the funding for it. And in talking to our service providers, we um, were told that one of the major gaps is security deposits and application fees. So they'll have clients that they can help them qualify for Section 8 housing, but um, federal funds don't cover the barriers like application fees, background checks, security deposits, and so that's where we can come in and try and um, support them with that is with that financial aid. And then also crisis cash, letting service providers um, meet the needs of the individual because with federal funding, you know, a lot of the times your, ha your hands are tied on how you can spend the, that money. So the crisis cash allows them to meet the individual where they're at with their needs. Okay, all right, ready? I just want to speak really quickly about the effects of emotional abuse and psychological abuse. There could be trauma bonding going on, severe manipulation, gaslighting, which we need to have our own podcast about just gaslighting, uh, our own podcast episode about that, um, and how isolating it is as a domestic violence survivor myself, and I'm, I would say I was still in recovery mode, it has very long lasting impacts and some of uh, these impacts can be PTSD you can be experienced PTSD while you're experiencing domestic violence chronic pain could be a symptom uh, these things were never pointed out to me while I was going through uh, some of the things that I went through personally until I had a really good therapist pointed out to me and once that was pointed out to me I was able to sort of rescue myself and find some resources available to myself so I just want to keep uh, these things in mind and point them out as sources um, do we want to talk about what we can do as community members um, about learning more about abuse and what we can do to uh, help women be more aware. So, um, as we said, October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and um, one thing that I always leave any meeting or whenever I speak is know your hotline numbers. So here in Utah, the hotline number is 1-800-897-LINK. And that's 5465. Um, and that is runs 24-7, 365 days a year to help find a service provider in your area. Also, if you have family members outside of uh, Utah and you, they need help, the national hotline is 1-800-799-SAFE. It's easy to remember. If you're a youth or you have teenagers or young adults that have questions or want to learn about healthy relationships, um, I always suggest they check out loveisrespect.org. They have a fabulous website and with wonderful resources. And also, I just want to say that if you make a phone call and you aren't met with the kind of treatment that you are expecting, you can always ask to speak to a detective. You can always ask to speak to a woman. You can ask to be called back by a detective and to have someone sent to your house. So you can always ask to speak to someone different. I really, really, really want to stress this. And a lot of police um, forces and, and 
they have what's called a victim's advocate. So we encourage you to reach out to a victim's advocate. And um, in my experience, all of the ones that I've worked with have been female. And so it does feel a little less threatening to approach a female and have your questions answered. So um, get a hold of your victim's advocate and find out what type of resources are available in your, um, in your precinct, in your district. And we're so... We're so happy that Brooke joined us today, and we are going to link all the resources on our Instagram and Facebook pages and the resources from FADV today. Thank you for having me. This has been a wonderful experience, and we're, you guys are doing some good, so thank you. Well, Thanks, thank Brooke. Thank you so much for coming.